Well, good morning and welcome to this gathering of Annapolis EP. We are thankful that you are here with us this morning uh, for this special service, this Pray for the World service. This morning, um, we do want to let you know that things are going to be a little bit different than normal. Um, But we think it's going to be a powerful time as we, as the gathered people of God, um, bring our our lives and our requests in prayer uh, before the Lord. This service came about as we were reflecting on the many um, sorrows and hurts in in our world. Um, And by that, we mean things like mass shootings and natural disasters, but we also mean the very personal struggles um, that we have in our individual lives. Um, Things like um, the loss of those who are dear to us, um, sickness that we are um, struggling with, Um, Systems of oppression that are built against us and those that we care about. And and so we said, what do we do with that? Uh, Well, what we do is we bring those things, we bring those concerns to the Lord in prayer. Um, And we hope that this Sunday will set us on a trajectory that we wouldn't just be praying here, but as we go from this place in the weeks and the years and even for the rest of our lives, that we would be praying in the midst of our suffering So this morning, instead of having one pastor give one sermon, um, we'll hear um, sermonettes from each of our three pastors um, as we unpack together this one passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 4. So I'd like to read that passage of Scripture um, for us this morning. It's Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It'll be on the screens here. It's also in your worship guide if you'd like to follow along. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. Verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Before Pastor Dan comes to lead us in our first reflection, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we know that you are already with us, but we pray, Lord, that you would make your presence known to us this morning. We ask that you would lead and guide our prayers. And Lord, that when we have no words, we pray that your spirit would intercede on our behalf. We pray that you would give continual wisdom to our pastors as they speak. Lord, may they speak your words and not their own. And may we be moved into deeper communion with you and your good, and your graciousness. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. The question I, I, I think that we are, at least in part, trying to think through this morning is, what do we do with our struggles? What do we do with, with our sorrows? What do we do with our trouble? We look around at the world and we we see a world that is very beautiful in many ways. 
It's a, it's a world full of wonder. And yet, there's difficulty in this world. And so life, life in, for, for many people, at times can be very hard. So what do we do with that? The world tends to offer some, some solutions for that. One of the, the solutions I think that the world tends to offer is it says, well, you need to be hard. You need to harden yourself up. You need to protect yourself. And, and you need to not let it get to you. You just got to push through and be strong. Don't let the world get to you. Don't let it get you down. Another solution I think that is offered very often in the world is, is to distract yourself. Maybe, maybe I need to get more things. Maybe I need to get some different things, some different people. Maybe I need to accomplish more. I need to achieve something new. Maybe I just need to get my mind off of something. I need to, I need to escape. Maybe I need to self-medicate. Maybe I need to just distract myself with, with some new hobby or hide or run away in some way. Our passage in Philippians 4, which Isaac just read for us, offers us a different solution altogether. In fact, it may even be somewhat counterintuitive to the way that we think. The Apostle Paul, in the, in the very first part of this passage, says, Have joy. That's what it means to rejoice. Have joy. That's the solution that Paul's offering, suggesting. Well, what is joy? Well, let me start by telling you what I, what I think joy is not. Joy is not just happiness. It's not just excitement or enthusiasm. Think about this for a minute. Did, do you think Jesus had joy? I'm not sure it's a real obvious question, or at least I don't think that the answer is necessarily that obvious, because Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus wept. So does, does Jesus have joy? Think about it from, from a slightly different angle. Did Jesus have the fruit of the Spirit? I think we would tend to say yes. The fruit of the Spirit is the essence of God's character, right? What are the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, some of you have probably memorized at least portions of the fruit of the Spirit. Say it with me. Those of you who, who have a sense of what it is, you can say it with me out loud. The fruit of the Spirit is... Oh, okay. So joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I know you wanted to show off how you'd memorize the whole verse, didn't you? <clears throat> but joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And if the fruit of the Spirit is the essence of God's character... Jesus is the fullness of God. So if Jesus is the fullness of God and the fruit of the Spirit is the the essence of God's character and joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit, then I'll ask the question again, did Jesus have joy? Of course He did. But clearly, then, joy is not just being happy, not just being excited. So what is joy? What does it look like? Well, I think Paul gives us a picture. He gives us a glimpse into what joy is when he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure that's real clear. The NIV 
says, let your gentleness be known to all. So that's translating the same concept. Your reasonableness, your gentleness. I'm not sure after reading those that I have a a real clear picture of what, what Paul is really saying here. But I do think he is giving us insight. And I would, I would try to unpack the insight this way. Have you ever been in a crisis? Have you ever had something going on in your life where, where things have caught you off guard, you don't know which, which way you're going, things feel out of control to you, and you don't know how you're going to get through? What, what often happens to people when they get in a situation like that, when they're saying, oh my goodness, I don't know what's happening. Where am I going? I don't know what, how I'm going to get through this. What, I don't even know which, which, which way is up. You panic. Now you may say, well, I don't panic, but a lot of people do panic. And I think that's the context, that's the kind of situation that Paul is speaking into. He's saying, listen, when things get hard, let your reasonableness be apparent. What does that mean? I think it means this. Have perspective. Put things in perspective. Okay, things are getting hard, but there are things that you know that are true that ought to offset the circumstances that you're in. Don't be panicked. Have perspective. Orient yourself in light of what you know to be true. In other words, don't let the circumstance turn you upside down or turn your life upside down. Have composure. You know, out in the Chesapeake Bay, there are these channel markers. They're big, steel things that float. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about it. They're they're made of steel, and they float. And they're... They're tethered to the bottom of the bay by these heavy-duty chains that, that go down to an anchor on the bottom. And so they, they may move a little bit, but, but generally speaking, they don't move. They're there all the time. They have to be because they are a source of certainty for people who are trying to navigate the Chesapeake Bay. Maybe you've seen these things. Maybe you, you've seen what they look like in bad weather. Or on a, on a day where there's a lot of boat traffic and there are a lot of waves. These things will rock back and forth. In severe weather, they can get horizontal for, for moments. Sometimes they're actually plunged underwater by, by the wind and the waves. But you know what they never do? They never sink. They never truly tip over. Some of you who are old like me, you remember a toy called a weeble. And if you remember that, then you know that weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. It's a lot like these these channel markers. They will plunge underwater, they will rock back and forth, but they never sink and they never tip. I think that's a picture of joy, of what joy is. Joy is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of sorrow or pain. But it's having ballast. It's having buoyancy that is greater than our struggles. 
so that we are never crushed, we're never tipped over, and we never sink. But what can give us that kind of weight, that, that kind of ballast and buoyancy in our life? Well, look what Paul says next. Having said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your composure be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. That's the source. That's ultimately what he's pointing to as a source for joy. There are two times in scriptures when the presence of the Lord is at hand. One is to judge, to bring condemnation, and the other is when God shows up to care for his people. I don't think Paul is talking about the first. I don't think he is saying, have joy, have composure, because God has shown up to condemn you. I think what he's saying instead is, have joy, have composure, have perspective. Don't be sinkable because God is present to care for you. God, the God who loves you, the God who is for you, the God who cares about you, He is present to be in our midst and to be present for us. He is strong to save. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. He scorned it. It's shame. The shame associated with it, he said, I don't, that doesn't affect me. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How does that work? Well, I'll tell you how it worked. Jesus did not hang up on the cross saying, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm not going to let this get to me. He had, he had fixed in his mind purpose. And that joy that was set before him was the understanding and the certainty that as he went to the cross, he was purchasing life for me and you. And if Jesus has purchased life for me and you, then he's not going to let us get out of his sight. He's not going to let us get away from him. And he's not going to forget about us. Having joy in the midst of our struggles means declaring the truth of God, the truth about God, to our own hearts. And then praying those truths as prayers of praise to God by faith. They go together. It's, it's what you believe internally comes out in our, in our communication to God. Pastor Bruce is going to talk about that in a couple minutes. If, if, our, if our feelings toward God are, why did you do this to me? That's going to come out in our communication to Him. But if we can focus our hearts on the truths about God, about His character, about what He is really like, and we can tell those truths to our hearts, then those truths can come out as praise of faith to God. So it might sound like this, Lord, I'm afraid of what I'm facing. But you are greater than what I'm facing. And you are greater than my fear. Lord, I feel like if I do what is right, then other people might reject me. 
but you will never reject me. You will never leave me. Lord, this illness might take my life, but you have secured eternal life for me, and you are greater than death. Lord, I feel alone. I feel abandoned. But you are with me, and you will never leave me. What are the truths about God that you need to remind your heart? Our next verse that we're concentrating on is, Do not be anxious about anything. This is verse 6. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Whatever troubles you, whatever troubles us enough that we're anxious, that discourages us, that causes us to be weary, that makes us ask questions of each other, but also of God. We ask Him, why is there suffering? We ask Him personally, why am I suffering? Let me give you a quote from uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, who's been in a wheelchair for more than 30 years. She wrote in one of her uh, books this quote, Sometimes God permits what He hates to accomplish what He loves. So we tend to think that suffering and troubles, as painful as they are, have no purpose, have no goal, nothing good in them. But she recognized after 30 years, she's not getting out of that chair until she's made all new. And so she said that sometimes God allows things that he hates to accomplish things that he loves. But what are we supposed to do with the suffering? We are to lament. Lament is uh, something that we evangelicals are uncomfortable with. Lament is a complaining to God. We tend to think of, uh, of children who don't want to go on the vacation that the family has chosen and that kind of complaining. Or that they're going to go for the third time to church and they're just complaining. That's not what a lament is. A lament is the type of supplication. It's the type of request. It's the type of petition that is in response to suffering. When we're discouraged and weary by the pain, a lament is a kind of begging and pleading with God about which only He can resolve. Suffering is this disorientation of the soul. You know that, that when prolonged suffering, when, when suffering seems to be a tunnel without a light, it disorients us to the point that we don't often know which way is up and which way is right. And therefore a lament is a response to the disorientation of the soul. A lament is a crying out 
because God's shalom, God's peace and plan for human flourishing is being vandalized. It's being destroyed. It's being uh, uh, disconnected from our lives. And so we lament over the vandalization, the loss of the peace and what seems to be the way things ought to be, the way things should be. And so a lament is our complaining to God about affliction. It is a, a complaint against oppression and injustice, hurt, sorrow, loss, death, racism, genocide, starvation, disease, death. The breakage of a marriage, the rebellious teenager, the broken bodies, the unjust laws, and the irresponsible living. A lament is our grieving over the loss of God's shalom. And therefore the gospel is the only hope for Christians. It's the only hope for our world because the gospel says that Jesus is our Savior. And we don't need a Savior unless we're in need of one. And the gospel tells us that we need a Savior. And so when we're in pain and when there is sorrow, when there is loss, when there is death, when marriages die and when children rebel, it is all to point us of our need of a Savior who's the only one that can make all things new. And make everything right. There are two facts that I am assured of as I stand here with you. The first is this. God knows best how to accomplish his plans. Which implies that I don't. Which implies that you don't. No matter how much confidence, no matter how much uh, we stand up and sound like we know what it's all going to be about. We don't. God does. Secondly, that God loves me. And He loves His creation. And because of those two facts, I can lament. I can cry out to Him about the things that are in my life, that are in your life, that are in our community, that are in our nation, that are in our world, that is the vandalization of God's shalom. What He intended... And what he is working to do. It seems to me that the strongest souls that I know are the ones that have endured the greatest difficulty. Let me share just a couple in our church. One is literally a couple. We love Dan and Danielle Osborne. We love them. Dan is an elder and Danielle is often involved with the children's ministry. But they have have a son for years, Grayson, who's had a brain tumor. They'll do surgery. It'll grow back. They'll do more surgery. And now he suffers because of the scar tissue where that tumor came out with these seizures. You will not find a more godly, beautiful family But it is not right that they suffer like this with no end in sight of that 
pattern. And we can grieve over that. And we can grieve with them over that. Without making them feel that they're some kind of uh, a zoo animal to come by and watch or to always draw attention to the struggle of their family. But at the same time, we can grieve with them because that is not the way it's meant to be. Little children are not meant to have tumors. And neither are old people. The other is Matt Falzon, who's only in his 30s. And he's in a hospital today because this weekend they found that his aorta had enlarged to the point where they've got to replace it. That's no small thing. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And the only response we can have is we lament. And if you think lamenting isn't biblical, spend time in the Psalms. Over half of the Psalms are laments like this. Even C.S. Lewis, who wrote in the book A Grief Observed. It's about the death of his wife. He went a long time before he ever married. And when he married, shortly thereafter, she had cancer and died. And so he says this, as I began to deal with the, 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 the dying of my wife, he's, he's begging us to, in similar situations, to go to God. He says, go to him when you are in need of desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face, a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. That kind of candor, that kind of raw feelings are not irreverent. When they're said to God, it is the sound of a disoriented soul caused by the vandalism of God's shalom. It is the lament to God who wants to hear from His children. Even if those prayers are not beautiful prose or perfectly theologically correct, It is the most reverent thing we can do in the midst of our suffering is go to God and tell Him how we see things, how we feel, how we feel the loss. Our Lord, chronic pain and illness do their best to rob us of our joy and peace. Our pain can be unrelenting, our sickness debilitating. We become weary of the battle. Prisoners of our broken bodies, we feel as though we are a burden on our family and friends, and we become anxious and discouraged. So I ask you, Lord, please help us, O God, to lift our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances in this world, and help us to instead fasten our eyes again on you. Thank you that you are an ever-present help in trouble. Thank you that you are intimately familiar with our pain and suffering. Thank you that you have purpose for our pain. And, O Lord, we thank you that when our pain is harder than we could have previously imagined, it is in those moments that we are able to most fully grasp the agony you willingly endured for us on the cross. What an amazing gift your pain has brought. Lord Jesus, may we each discover in your living word a friend of such faithfulness power, 
truth and grace that we never need to be despondent or afraid again. Lord, we cry out for the homeless and hungry of this world and in Annapolis. Jesus, you did not have a place to lay your head, so you know what it feels like. I pray for those who come to winter relief. I also pray for the young girls and boys who don't have a family and need to know you are their father. You love each one of them. Please make us compassionate towards those who need a home and food to eat. Dear Father, you have told us in your word that you have created mankind, male and female, in your image. We mourn that we have distorted your image by not seeing each one of your image bearers as members of the same race, bearing the unmeasurable weight of the glory of your image. We mourn that very spirit which nailed your son, your true image, to the cross. You tell us in your word, you teach us that any beliefs or practices of racism are sins against your image and against you. We thank you that we are called to live according to the reality that because of Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Thank you for the promises of your word to Amos, that in the river of life in the new Jerusalem, justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Thank you for renewing us in the image of your son, Jesus, and thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to more and more die to sin and live for righteousness. Dear Lord, even though Annapolis hasn't been directly hit by a natural disaster, we know that lots of people have lost their homes and even more have lost their lives and jobs. Lord, it's just super sad. We're upset by the fact that so many lives all over the world have been turned upside down by the earthquakes, floods, wildfires, hurricanes, and everything else I can't name off the top of my head. Lord, we can't fix this without you. Our world, our world needs your healing touch. Restore the communities that have been broken. Comfort those who've lost loved ones and help those in need to rebuild. Father, help us as Christians to care for those who've been impacted by the natural disasters. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord God, have mercy on us as we experience brokenness in our families. You ordain the family, both the individual family and the church family, for your glory. But because of sin, relationships are severed between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters. Father, as you restored our broken relationship with yourself through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask for healing and restoration in our broken families. Lord, give us grace to respond to your ministry of reconciliation in our families. In Jesus' name. From Psalm 142. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. Dear Lord, I pray out to you that you hear our prayers in this broken world. I pray that you reach out to those who feel alone and calm their hearts. Let those who struggle with depression know that you are in control and are forever with them. Please help the church community to reach out to those broken souls and show them that they are loved. Allow us to explain that suicide is never the answer and direct them to you. The devil prowls like a lion and he takes hold of the weak. Please help us to encourage them in faith and help them to never fall into the devil's grasp. 
Thank you for hearing our prayers and gifting us with your unconditional love and mercy. God, you have called your people to have no other gods before you, and yet so many, including many of us in this congregation, have allowed addictions to take over our hearts. We have become addicted to the pleasures of this world and so often choose to fulfill our own desires rather than to live in a manner that it might bring you glory. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, would your spirit renew us and renew our hearts to be yours alone. God, we just pray specifically for those afflicted by an addiction to drugs and pornography. Too many have believed in the empty promises of fulfillment and pleasure that these bring. Yet what they find is that their thirst must be fulfilled over and over again. Our hearts grieve because we know that these addictions have broken so many lives, families, and relationships today. We pray that those struggling with these addictions would come to fulfill their thirst in Christ, that they would hear the gospel and come to know the joy and pleasure of serving you with all their heart, mind, and soul, that they would be satisfied in you and you alone. Lord, we cry out to you against the pain and the evil of sexual bondage and slavery, against human trafficking. Help your church to be a beacon to shine a light on this darkness that is a worldwide problem. Help us to be your hands to bring attention to the suffering, the pain, and the um, and the brokenness that this causes. Help us to educate our children and our community in guarding against the evil influences. Help us to find the strength and wisdom to assist our government and law enforcement to bring the evildoers to prosecution and justice. Help these oppressors to see their sin and to, re- and to repent. Help us to provide comfort and a safe haven to victims of this atrocity that they may find healing, peace, and rest in you. For the victims of shootings, dear Lord, we see the problems. God, only you knows how long we'll have to cry out for help. We stare at the news of shootings day after day. Where is the justice for the victims of these shootings? When will there be vengeance? O Lord, God of vengeance, we ask you to shine your light in this dark world. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the evildoers what they deserve. O Lord, we know that you see. You who created our eyes sees. You, Lord, who created our ears hears us. It is you, O Lord, who disciplines and rebukes the world. Lord, you are our light and salvation. May we fear no evil, but instead find peace, comfort, joy, and strength in you. God, please give us understanding. Please give us direction. We seek your wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God, when we tell you that things are not right in our world, you are not surprised. You know our grief, our sorrow, and our brokenness. For you have stepped into it. You experienced it and you overcame it. We pray then that you would give us that victory in Christ as well. It's in his name we pray. Amen. One of the blessings that we have as believers is that we 
have the privilege and the opportunity to run into the arms of Jesus. I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes I find that really difficult because of the trial, because of the, the sorrow, because of the lament, that for some reason I think I can't run to Jesus with it. I think I need to fix it first, that I need to make everything right in my own power before I can run to Jesus and enters God's word that we've had read to us this morning that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. There's no qualifiers there. It doesn't say, get your life straight, fix everything, make everything as right as you think you can make it. But God says, in everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. But he doesn't end there. He keeps going. He says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we go to God with our laments, as we go to Him with the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of the world, God promises us that He will give to you and to me peace. Peace that transcends all understanding. As a pastor, when you come to a line like that, when you're preaching, it poses a bit of a dilemma. Like, how do you explain something that surpasses all understanding? But it also provides an opportunity to say that I can't explain it. I just know that it is true. That God provides a peace that the world does not know. They live in anxiety and fear. And yet we can have peace. Peace from within and peace from outside of us. Peace in our hearts. When our hearts begin to question, when we go through a trial, when we go through struggle in life, our hearts begin to say, what did I do? What did I do in my past? What did I do today that I'm sick? What did I do that in my past that something is broken in my life, that something is broken in the world and the anxieties begin to well up within our hearts and God comes in and says, peace. And when Satan begins to attack our minds, just like he did Adam and Eve, his trials and struggle and the brokenness of this world. And we hear Satan say, does God really love you? If God really loved you, do you think this would be happening to you? And God says, I will guard your hearts and I will guard your minds to protect you from those things that would draw you away from the truth that I love you. God demonstrates His love for us in this and that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And if God did not spare His own Son, how will He not also give us all good things? You see, God is moving all things to make us more and more like Jesus. And that is the peace that we can have. Yes, we still struggle. Yes, we lament. Yes, it hurts. And yet we can rejoice 
because we have one who has given his only son to redeem us, to save us, and to make us his own. There are no accidents in a believer's life. There are only appointments with Jesus. And because of that, we can have great peace because our anchor holds. We read in the 14th chapter of the gospel as recorded by John these words. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we present ourselves before thy throne and we ask and even with boldness claim the inheritance left us by our Lord and Savior, his peace. The peace which the world cannot give and which the world cannot take away. Peace is Christ's peculiar gift to his people. He seldom gives them money or worldly ease or temporal prosperity. These are at best very questionable possessions for they often do more harm than good. But inward peace, peace of conscience arising from a sense of pardoned sin and reconciliation with you, Lord, is a far greater blessing. This peace is the inheritance of all believers, whether high or low, rich or poor. The peace which Christ gives, he calls my peace. For it is his own to give. He bought it by his own blood, purchased it by his own substitution, and is appointed by the Father to dispense it to a perishing world. Lord, we dare not ask for wealth, although all its allurement to unworldliness and worldliness We dare not ask for preferment among our brothers and sisters, realizing that if we honor ourselves, our honor is nothing. We dare not ask for freedom from sorrow, remembering that they who are not of this world shall in the world have tribulation. But we do pray, Heavenly Father, that in perfect peace, we may rest in Thee. Grant, Lord, that the peace of God which passeth all understanding may keep our hearts and minds through the abundance of grace in Christ our Savior and Redeemer, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank You that we can come to You and lay all of our burdens and worries and fears down at your feet. How incredible it is that we can come to you, the king of the universe, and you never turn us away. We can come boldly into your presence, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. We thank you that you are more than able to carry all of our burdens and fears. You alone can do this. You never leave us alone. You are at hand. You alone are mighty and able, and you know best. 
We thank you that our faith might be as small as a mustard seed, but sometimes that's all we have. Yet you remain faithful. Thank you that you are faithful even when we are too often unfaithful to you. Thank you that you're slow to anger and you're full of grace and mercy. We thank you for the peace we have with you because Jesus reconciled us to you. A peace because we know we belong to you and you really are enough. Thank you that you give us a peace in the midst of the storm because you anchor us. A peace that surpasses all understanding. We can rest in you because you are our hope our inheritance, and our joy. And we thank you that we can truly trust in you, for your promises are true, for you are truth. We thank you that your peace is not as the world gives, but a real sustaining peace, a peace that guards our hearts and minds, so that we never need to fall into despair or think we have figured it all, have to figure it all out by ourselves, because you... With you, we have hope and we have future in you. We thank you that you are our peace, a peace we can know both in our hearts and our minds, a peace we can rest in, the only peace that can allow us to sing, it is well with my soul, even when the world seems so broken around us. We pray today that those that do not know this peace would know it in you. Let us rest in this peace today, and may it fill our hearts with true thanksgiving and song. May our prayers and songs of thanksgiving rise to you. May others see this as a witness and long to know the very same peace and turn to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who hears and answers our prayers. We are thankful that while you don't promise that everything in our lives will be made perfect right now, you do promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. So we pray that you would bring peace to our lives through your presence and that we would be reminded of the promise of an eternity in your presence. Lord, we pray that as we receive this offering now that you would use whatever gifts are given to help this, your message of salvation and peace, to be declared even more widely. That even more people would know you, would know your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now receive his benediction to you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's light shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord's face turn toward you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.